I hadn't really decided that being a partner in the firm was actually alluring for me. It was just like the next step in terms of this career ladder. That was part of the wake-up call for me was, I'm going in for this thing, but I don't really know why I want to do this. Welcome to Career Relaunch, the podcast focused on helping you create a more fulfilling career. My name is Joseph Liu, and I'm here to help you gain the clarity, confidence, and courage to overcome the challenges of making changes to your career so you can do more meaningful work and enjoy your professional life. In each episode, I feature people who have stepped off the beaten path to reinvent their careers and successfully make a major career change. We talk through their unique personal stories, the challenges they overcame, and the lessons they learned along the way to help you take your own brave steps to improve your career and life. Today, my guest is going to explain what she learned by taking a year-long sabbatical before eventually becoming CEO of a well-known company in the UK. We'll discuss what you can gain by stepping away from your work and how you can be more intentional in your career. Afterwards, during today's Mental Fuel, I'll talk about one framework that can help you identify work you find more meaningful. Today, I'm speaking with Sasha Romanovich, the CEO of Grant Thornton UK, one of the world's largest professional services network of independent accounting and consulting member firms that serves over 20,000 clients. As CEO, Sasha leads the development and implementation of their purpose-led strategy to create and shape a vibrant economy in the UK. Now, Sasha and I met last year at the Future of Work conference in London, and I really wanted to feature her as the first CEO on Career Relaunch because she didn't follow a typical path to become CEO. She actually decided to take a one-year hiatus from work to clarify what was important to her and where she wanted to take her career. So we're going to dig into that today. You can get all the show notes from today's episode at careerrelaunch.net slash 37. Sasha spoke with me from London, England. Well, hello, Sasha, and thanks for joining me here on Career Relaunch. Lovely to connect with you, Joseph. All right. So I'm looking forward to talking through your career at Grant Thornton and what you learned from your sabbatical from work and also some of the initiatives you have going on right now to create a more inclusive and vibrant workforce in the UK. So lots to cover. But I was wondering, Sasha, if you could just kick us off by telling us about, first of all, what's keeping you busy right now in your career and your life? A lot of work that I'm doing is about helping our business and other businesses to think about how the choices that we make through who we work with, through who we employ, through how we act as businesses and through what we choose to influence, that through all of that, that we can make a really positive impact in shaping that future. We can't sit and just wait for governments on their own to try and solve some of the really big challenges facing the world. So my mission is to really make it a new normal that businesses become much more purpose-led and really go back to, you know, obviously people in business, they want to make money, but if you're not solving problems that actually are valuable and important for the world and solving those problems in a sustainable way, then actually you don't have a successful business either. And I think that word that you've used, purpose, is a really important one that comes up a lot, especially for listeners on this podcast, because sometimes when people aren't feeling super jazzed about their work, it's because they don't find it really meaningful or purposeful. So I definitely want to come back and talk about the role you see business playing in that arena. I was wondering, first of all, though, if you could just give us a glimpse into your role there as CEO of Grant Thornton in the UK, and then we'll go back and kind of touch on some of these other topics. 
So as CEO of Grant Thornton in the UK, we have nearly 5,000 people working with us over 27 different locations. And we're really on a reshaping of our business so that everything we do does align to our purpose of shaping a vibrant economy. And also taking through quite a cultural change, because if you look at how the world operates, and particularly how the financial services world operates, the leadership model has historically been very much one that's based around self-interest, hierarchy and competition. And what I see is that for our business to be successful, that we need to move to a culture that was very much based around shared purpose, collaboration and connected networks of people being able to achieve things together. So my job of work, I suppose, within our firm is how we grow our business sustainably, reshaping our client portfolio aligned to our purpose and how we can work and influence convening people across our client base to be able to grow their businesses sustainably too. Why do you think the default operating model is still assumed to be this more cutthroat or intense competitive environment? Really, our business world today is very much shaped on a model that was designed probably about 200 years ago, really by white privileged men. Uh-huh. Uh, from typically the upper classes, who shaped and designed a model that actually was based on the world that they knew, that they understood, that they could win in, basically. And I think that what we find is that that model has achieved certain things through to now, but actually in a world where we're now facing really limited resources, we need to be much more thoughtful as to how we actually work in the world, that that model doesn't really serve us for the future that we need to create. And I think you can probably trace a lot of it back to the British Empire and just how that operated all those years back. I can tell by listening to you that you've got a very purposeful professional life. And yet, I know you haven't always been CEO there at Grant Thornton UK, Sasha. And I know under your Twitter profile, your bio, I thought this was interesting. It reads, I spend my life trying to create the space for us to think. And I know that you yourself took a hiatus from work, uh, which I was kind of surprised to hear. You kind of think about CEOs and you kind of figure they're, they're on that fast track to climb the organizational ladder. And I was just wondering if you could take us back to the moment right before you decided to take your sabbatical, what was going on for you professionally and more importantly, personally in your life? So I went to Oxford to study chemistry. In my second term, I met the man who became my first husband. I'd done all the standard thing. You know, I did my exams at school. I managed to get into Oxford University. I managed to then get a job in the accountancy profession. So I was on this kind of corporate conveyor belt. And in my personal life, I was probably on, without realizing it, a bit of conveyor belt as well, that, you know, that I'd fallen in love, I got married, and we'd bought a flat. We'd done all these sort of standard things and then worked tremendously hard through all of that. And then it was sort of getting to this point in life as to the what next. And my husband and I split up, which was a real wake-up call for me, I suppose, that was the life I'd been living one that I'd really been choosing to live or had life just been happening to me and that then sort of triggered really a sort of a reassessment of everything in my life because if that relationship wasn't true then what else in my life wasn't true and it really provoked me I suppose to re-examine all sorts of aspects in my life in my professional life at the time I'd been doing well at work I've been doing well in my exams doing well in my work with clients and I really loved working with clients but I was also finding that you know my default was just to keep working harder and harder and that wasn't a really healthy situation I then got to a point of 
where it was really looking at my progression through to partner in the firm, there was this sort of thing of, well, do I want to be a partner in a professional services firm? When I'd gone into accountancy, originally it had been because I wanted to learn how to run a fashion business because that's what I thought I was going to do. I thought I was going to be a fashion designer. So it was a real point for me of, is this actually what I want to do with my life? And I was very fortunate because my counselling partner at work, we sat down and had this conversation. He just looked at me and said, what do you really want to do? And I said, what I really would like is just some space out to decide if this is what I want to do with my life or not. And that afternoon, he arranged a year's sabbatical for me so that I could have a year out and still have the guarantee of a job when I came back. Now, before we get to your sabbatical, you mentioned that you were thinking about whether or not you wanted to become a partner. And I hear this a lot, like people want to make partner in their law firm or they want to make partner in the consulting firm or whatever the company is that they work for. Can you just share what was alluring about becoming partner for you and what ultimately made you start to question that? Yeah, I think that was partly the point that I hadn't really decided that being a partner in the firm was actually alluring for me. It was just like the next step in terms of this career ladder that you were expected to do. And I think that that was part of the wake up call for me was, right, I'm going in for this thing, but I don't really know why I want to do this. And interestingly, I think that, you know, having supported a lot of partners coming through since my return and since um, being in my new role, I think it's actually a rite of passage everybody has to go through, which is until they get to a point where they know really why do I want to do this, you probably either won't get there or won't be successful and fulfilled when you do get there. And when you thought about going on this sabbatical, it sounds like Grant Thornton was great about giving you the space to do this. Did you have any concerns about taking a sabbatical? And if so, what were those? The typical concerns are, you know, am I throwing away my career and stuff like that? And I don't know if I was naive or if I was just at the point where I knew I needed to step away and do something different. But, you know, I didn't have those, oh gosh, will I be able to come back? And that was probably partly the environment that my employer created for me, which was very much of there will be a job for you when you come back and they were really supportive of that. So that was really helpful. And at the same time, I also sold my flat or apartment, if anyone's listening in America, and got rid of a lot of my um, material possessions. And so again, it was sort of quite a cathartic shedding of stuff that was trapping me into a life that I wasn't sure that I'd actually chosen. So tell us about your sabbatical. What did you do? How did you spend your time? I actually went out with my now husband, who wasn't at the time. He had the idea he wanted to travel, and I thought that would be a brilliant way for me to get out and about. We basically got the one-way ticket to India, to Delhi, where one of my oldest friends had taken me to Delhi and stayed with her family just very shortly after my marriage broke up. And that was a real opening up my eyes to this wonderful country and this wonderful world. When we landed in Delhi, it was wonderful because you were just every day just being able to choose, well, what do I want to do today? What's interesting? What's important? That for me was a really important part of this learning. What did I really want to do? You know, if I could do anything every day, what did I really want to do? So spent a lot of time traveling through India, got to read a lot, had that wonderful time where when you were reading books, a lot of exploring ideas and philosophies and things to help me understand the world. And through that journey, I met some really interesting people on the way, which took me into an interest in meditation and then into yoga. And I went off and did a 10-day meditation program, um, silent Vipassana program in Thailand. Um, When I was there, I found out about a 
yoga retreat in South India. We really had the luxury of being able to follow threads and ideas and spend time digesting them. Was there anything else that you learned about yourself during this process of taking some time off and having a little bit of space to just clear your mind? You can't help but tap into a sense of connectedness with the world and a sense of a responsibility in not just what you do with your life, but also how you live your life. Are you being intentional in how you behave with people every day? Are you living a life that you're proud of, if that makes sense? When I was traveling, one of the other wonderful things is that you're meeting people the whole time who have no context in which to put you. So all the labels that you have when you're in a professional career of you're a CEO or you're an accountant or you're a this or a that, all of those are shedded. And so all you had were people responding to you as you were. And so I think it was something that also helped me really to center myself in terms of, you know, what was my truth? Who did I really want to be? How did I really want to behave? Which was not deformed by the context of societal expectations on me. Yeah, definitely. I think so often we use our titles as labels and other people do that also. You know, that question, what do you do? And then people immediately start sizing you up and judging you and we do the same. And so, yeah, that's really interesting to not have any of that pretense there. Was there a particular moment, Sasha, when things flipped for you? Because I know that one of the reasons why you decided to take this time off was to figure out what you wanted Could you take us to a moment when you had a shift in your thinking or your perspectives on what you wanted to do next in your career? So my last thing that I did on my, it ended up I think being 13 or 14 months out, was doing um, a teach training um, yoga at the Naya Dam Shivananda Ashram in South India. And I think that was an interesting one because I started to work out what was important to me because going through the teach training, I had sort of thought, oh, maybe I'll be a yoga teacher, maybe I'll do this. What really sort of came through to me was that what I loved in yoga and yoga teach training was being able to make an impact on an individual. But actually what I loved from my former life was actually being able to see that you can make an impact at scale. So those two things came together that actually meant that I did chose to come back into the profession. But the mindset that I was coming into it with was wanting to actually operate in a way that was really reflective of what I felt was important in terms of how we behave in the world. What was the impact that we have in the wider world? Yeah, well, let's talk about that, Sasha. So you come back from your sabbatical, and I know that some people, after they take time off, they decide to do something totally different. And in your case, you returned back to the same company. So how did you approach your work differently upon returning? What changed for you? I came back and, you know, I look back now and I think, you know, the arrogance of relative youth. There was a new guy, a wonderful guy called Malcolm Ward, who was the new leader of um, the practice area that I'd come from. And in coming back in, I said, look, I want to come back in, but I really want to work to help to shape our business area to where I think it could be. And it was fantastic because, you know, I came in and I sort of came in with this sort of PowerPoint deck of all these things that I thought we should change. He was like, "Okay, I'm going to give you the opportunity to work with me 
to support the development and transformation of the practice. So I got to do client work as well, but also starting to work on the business as well as in the business. I definitely sort of came in with a very clear idea of, right, if I'm going to come back into the business, I'm not just going to come back in and do what I was doing before I left. It needs to be different so that I feel I'm making an impact on the things that I feel matter. I also know that we started this conversation talking about your family. And I was wondering if you also had any sort of shift in perspective related to your life outside of work. I've been very blessed to have my sons. And probably the key thing is that it does leave you with a real sense of what are the things that you want to build into your children, you know, what's important. One of the things that are really important in the young men that we're bringing up is actually that they are kind to people, that they listen to people, that they have empathy, that they're thinking about what they can give to the world, not what they can take from the world. And so I suppose it just comes into being very clear about the values that you want to inculcate in your children and the values that you want in your family. And that manifests itself in lots of different small ways, I suppose. So, for example, on birthdays, we always do some microfinance lending. And as a family, we choose which entrepreneurs we want to invest in. And that's one of the things that we do for each person's birthday. Sometimes it slips and we're like, we've slipped three Uh birthdays and then we do a catch up. But just things like that, that just keep us all focused on What are things that we can do that actually can improve things in the wider world rather than just thinking about us the whole time? Yeah, that's a fantastic idea. I hadn't thought of that before, but what a wonderful way to celebrate a birthday. It's really cool. And it's also fun, you know, just having chats with the kids about who they're choosing and why. That's a great idea. I might might steal that one for the future here. (laughs) Uh, I guess the last thing that I was hoping to talk about, Sasha, before we wrap up, with some of the initiatives that you've got going on was just some of your insights as a CEO. It's not every day that we've got a CEO on this podcast. And I was just wondering as a leader of a large company and specifically someone who's focused on what drives meaning in the workplace, what are some of the things that you've found really make people feel engaged with their work? People being able to find that personal connection to themselves of what is important in the world to them and some of those things that are really important to them will be very personal things that maybe don't come into the workplace but other things in terms of what they actually care about absolutely can link into the workplace so giving people the space to actually find out what is important to them my marriage failing was a real kick up the butt to me as to life is just happening to you and you have a responsibility to choose what you do in life, not just let it happen to you. And I do think that it's very easy, particularly in the modern world, to get carried on on this sort of conveyor belt where you're just doing stuff, being able to get that connection between what's important to me and what's the purpose of the business in which I'm operating and how then can I get the overlap between what really matters to me and what I do day to day. If you can get to that place, then you really hit nirvana. I I read the other day that I think in Japan they call it ikigai. Oh, yeah. I just read about that too. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I'd never heard that term for it before, but, you know, helping people to look at that overlap between what am I really passionate about in this world? What does this business need? What am I good at? And what can I earn money from? If you can get something that's happening at the intersection of those four things, then you've really found your place. 
Speaking of Ikigai, yeah, I had also just read about that literally a few days ago in a magazine. And I know that one of the things that it talks about or that philosophy is all about is allowing yourself to slow down and to get that space that you're talking about, which is important to gaining perspective. Do you have any advice for people who are trying to find more meaning in their work, like a step that they could take to create that space to allow them to figure out what they really want? One of the things that we do a lot in the business is introducing meditation and just creating even short periods where you can just stop and pause so that you can actually just start to notice and be aware of how you're feeling in a moment, what you're thinking. Because I do think that so much of creating space starts with noticing properly in the moment whether you're acting as if you have space or acting as if you're just busy, busy, busy. One of the things we do is a really simple, just mindful minute that anyone can do, which starts just building that discipline and that awareness of what is happening for me right now and how is that influencing how I'm feeling and how I'm behaving and is that who I choose to be. Just that basic discipline around creating mental space, I think, can be very simple that anyone can build into their lives. I think the other thing is the making an appointment with yourself quite a lot of my partners now do this where they'll either do it on their own or they'll do it with a colleague where they'll maybe just book an hour out which is catch up but actually that's just space that they're keeping either to do some thinking together or to have some space on their own together and then the final one which is one that I have found really helpful is I quickly learned that particularly in the CEO role, there, there will never be enough hours in the day to do everything that people expect of me. And however hard I try, I will never be successful if I set completing everything. And so a great piece of advice I had from a coach was choose what you're going to fail at. That lets you say, what is really important in terms of what I'm doing? And to be able to let go of some things, because otherwise you become used up in the process. Now, before we wrap up, also, I was just thinking about these twists and turns in your career and those moments when you started to reassess the paths that you were on. Was there something that you learned along the way that you wished you had learned or known about before? Spend time early on deciding what really matters to you. Probably if I had spent more time on that in my early 20s, I would have made different choices earlier on in my life, I think. It's a hard one, isn't it? I just don't know whether there are some things that hindsight is a wonderful thing, but actually you just have to live your life and and just be paying attention to what life's telling you as you go along. Well, Sasha, I'd like to wrap up by talking a little bit about what you're doing now as a business to create a more vibrant and purposeful workforce in the UK. Can you just tell me a little bit about your blueprint for the UK and the focus on profit with purpose to create a more vibrant economy here? Over the last year, we brought together over 1,200 people face-to-face in one-day city inquiries around the country. And then out of that, we've got two things. The Blueprint for Business, which was a real manifesto for the government saying, look, here are the things that we think would make a massive difference to sustainable growth of the economy and profits with purpose and really getting businesses focusing on wider stakeholder interests, not just shareholder interests, was really important. Then later this month in October, we'll be bringing out our call to action, which is really summarizing all of the ideas that came out and the themes around and what is it that businesses can do to step forward because I fundamentally believe that if we want to shape an economy that we'll be proud to pass on to our children, that 
everybody needs to step forward, not just people stepping back, you know, throwing mud at the politicians, et cetera, et cetera. You know, politicians have got a phenomenally tough job to do. You know, imagine if instead of everyone throwing stones at them, we all stepped forward and said, right, let's collectively make sure that we're taking the responsibility to really make the changes that we think will create the future that we want. My fundamental belief is that business can play a massive part in that. And that's incredibly stimulating for your people too. Yeah, that's incredibly empowering. And I'm really looking forward to seeing how these initiatives evolve over time. So I think it's wonderful that you're taking such a lead role in these important efforts to create a more purposeful workforce here in the UK. You mentioned children there, and I got to sneak one last question in here. Sasha, in your bio, you also mentioned you got two sons and you rely on them and your husband to bring perspective to your life. How do they help you maintain perspective in your own life? My husband is an incredible man. He's super smart. He, you know, he went to Cambridge. He was a director in corporate finance. But when we had our first son, he chose to be the person who stayed at home with our children. And we're fortunate that one of us could afford to stay at home and to be with the boys. So what's wonderful is that he understands the world that I'm in, but is also sort of looking at it from an outside in. So sometimes if I'm getting really stressed and fraught about stuff, he just does that reality check of, do you know what? wake up nobody really cares about x you know so so he'll just do that sort of reality check my kids just do it in a funny way and so you know there'll be things like if there's been something in the papers and my picture's in there and it's maybe it's not been the most positive comment i'll come home to find that they've um drawn all over my picture and put mustaches and stuff on me and stuff so it just becomes funny and they also just do beautiful touching things so you know when i got home thursday night and i'd not been home for 10 days because i'd been traveling with business and my youngest son had just made a wood-burning coaster for me just with a heart on it and left it for me and so there are just those special beautiful moments and also they do some reaffirming stuff so the way we get it to work in my life is that I come away on a Monday morning and then I try to go home on a Thursday evening and work from home on a Friday that sort of means that the boys and Neil have the rhythm of when I'm there and when I'm not and so I have the same for work as well I'm lucky in that I have that sort of balance and perspective just from being able to live in those two separate worlds. Equally, I know that how I've made it work and how we've made it work for our family sometimes aren't options for people or aren't how people choose to do it. What I do think is helpful is to say, look, there are many possibilities. And if you look at what's important to you in your life, you can usually find a path that navigates through and looking to how different people have done it differently may give you some ideas. And that's all you can hope for, really. Yeah, I guess you've got to make sure you find your own way that also works really well for you and uniquely you. So if people want to learn more about you or any of these initiatives to create a more vibrant workforce in the UK, like the Blueprint for Business, or the new governmental initiative called the New Inclusive Economy Partnership that I know you've just recently been selected to co-chair, where can they go to find out more? Our website, and particularly if you look at the Everything Under Vibrant Economy, gives you an insight into all the programs on that. And also hashtag Vibrant Economy on Twitter. And I'm quite active on Twitter. That's where I love to connect with people and share ideas. So I'm at Romanov's son there, which is a brilliant place to connect as 
well. And I would say actually the inclusive economy partnership is worth mentioning. What's fantastic is the UK government have recognised this power of convening people from civil society and from business and saying, look, you know, if we bring together our ideas and resources and really back things that could be scalable across the country, that could really help move things forward, particularly when the government at the moment have got an awful lot on their agenda. So I'm really proud to be co-chairing that with um, Caroline Mason from the Esme Fairburn Association. And if people are interested on that, if you Google Inclusive Economy Partnership, you can find out how to get involved in that too. I know that you guys just recently had one of your first meetings, and I'm looking forward to seeing how all that evolves. I think it's a great contribution you're making to the society here. So thank you so much, Sasha, for telling us more about your career and what drives purpose in your work and your life, the importance of creating space, and also how you maintain a healthy perspective in your own life. So best of luck with your efforts to create more vibrancy, purpose, and inclusion for professionals out there. Brilliant. Thank you. So I hope you enjoyed hearing about Sasha's role as CEO, what she learned about her career sabbatical, and how to be more intentional in your career and life. Now it's time to wrap up with today's Mental Fuel, where I'm going to talk a little bit more about this concept of Ikigai as a way of figuring out where you belong professionally. Before we get to today's Mental Fuel, I just wanted to thank A2 Hosting for supporting this episode of Career Relaunch. A2 is the web host provider I use and trust for my own websites. They even offer 100% carbon-neutral green hosting. For an easy, fast, and affordable way to get your personal website online today, visit careerrelaunch.net slash A2 to get 50% off your web hosting plan. This is the part of the show called Mental Fuel, where I finish the show with a brief personal story related to one of the topics we covered today and wrap up with a simple challenge to help you move forward with your own career goals. So for today's Mental Fuel... I want to pick up on one of the concepts Sasha referred to called Ikigai because it relates so directly to one of the topics I try to tackle on this show about understanding where you can thrive in your career. The week before I recorded this interview with Sasha, I had coincidentally just been reading about a book by Ken Mogi called The Little Book of Ikigai, The Secret Japanese Way to Live a Happy and Long Life. I've always been fascinated with Japan and Japanese culture, and although I'll admit I never got around to reading the whole book, I did start to dig into this concept of Ikigai a bit more. So I just wanted to share the Ikigai framework with you in case it helps you gain some clarity about where you should be devoting your energies in your career. So in a nutshell, there are a lot of different ways you can apply Ikigai, but in the context of careers, Ikigai is about understanding your reason for living and can be seen as the convergence of four elements. What you love, what the world needs, what you're good at, and what you can get paid for. So you can see an example of how this can work. I'll just go ahead and run through how this looks when I myself do this exercise of answering these questions. So what do I love? I love helping people clarify where they want to take their careers. I actually find this really energizing and meaningful And I also like being able to control my schedule so that I can make time for the important people in my professional and personal life. So what does the world need? I think people need to feel like they have permission to do work that really matters to them. So you can fill your days doing work you find meaningful. And so you can feel okay stepping off the beaten path if that means you can do this work. What am I good at? So I guess the first things that come to mind for me would be that I'd like to think I'm a good public speaker, I'm a good listener, I'm good at empowering people, and I'm good at creating structure to help people work through their ideas. I also think of myself as being very committed and trustworthy. 
Finally, what can I get paid for? Well, I can get paid to host workshops and give talks, to do one-on-one coaching, to do some brand consulting for my clients who are small business owners, and to also deliver online classes. So that's a very quick example of how I might answer these questions. And when I look at the intersection of all these things on a piece of paper, it starts to suggest that my work should be focused on some sort of service-based career advisory work that's a combination of speaking, coaching, and content creation. Now, I did that kind of quickly, and obviously, this is more than just a two-minute exercise. This is something I spent years trying to figure out, and honestly, something I'm still figuring out right now. I know from personal experience that there are a ton of career assessment tools and job surveys out there, some of which we've talked about in other episodes, but all these tools can be kind of overwhelming. So if you're trying to understand where your place is in the professional world, I just wanted to share this concept of Ikigai with you. I like how the intersection of passion, mission, vocation, and profession can be one more way to shed light on what your career could look like. I hadn't heard of this framework until a few months ago, but I found the idea to be a simple way of trying to understand where you may be able to excel and thrive. It's just one more tool for you to try. This takes me to a quote from Charisma Carpenter. I think essentially the meaning of life is probably the journey and not really any one thing or an outcome or result. I think it's kind of the process. And I think that if you can find happiness in the process, then maybe that's it. So my challenge to you is to block off an hour to just try this exercise of considering the intersection of what you love, what the world needs, what you're good at, and what you can get paid for as a way of cluing you in to where you could be spending your energies professionally. Then to decide on one small step you could take this week to try and explore that path. Before we go today, I just wanted to share some exciting news. As some of you may know, in addition to hosting this podcast, I've got a career blog over at josephplew.com where I write about career change topics. And one of my goals for 2018 was to try to reach more people with my writing. So I'm excited to announce that I've just become a contributing writer for Forbes, something I've always wanted to do. So moving forward, I'm going to be posting a lot of my articles on career change, personal branding, and self-employment directly at Forbes.com on their leadership column. My first article that came out last month was about how it felt to leave my corporate job behind to start my own business. And the one I wrote last week is about the three most clarifying questions I've gotten from my friends and family that really helped reground me in my career over the past few years. I'll be including links to all my Forbes articles and my other blog posts in my career relaunch newsletter, which I send out every time a new episode gets released. If you're interested in reading more of my thoughts on career change, getting access to useful career change resources, or being the first to know when a new episode of Career Relaunch comes out, you can register to receive my free newsletter at careerrelaunch.net slash newsletter, which also gives you access to my free career change roadmap. Again, that's careerrelaunch.net slash newsletter. And if you want to get a summary of the ideas and notes from today's show or learn more about our guest, Sasha, go to careerrelaunch.net slash 37. Thanks so much for being part of the Career Relaunch listener community. And a special thanks again to Sasha Romanovich for sharing her story with us today. This episode was mixed by Richard Pennington, Electrocardiogram wrote and performed our original theme song. I'm Joseph Liu, and I'll see you next time.